When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm okay. I'm, I was sick all last week. <laughs> Big dramatic I, pause. Yeah. So no, I had a pretty bad cold last week and couldn't talk mm. basically at all. And that's why we're, we missed a week. I guess it's the we best did. Way to, it's okay. Everybody needs a week. You know, it's like. Everybody needs a week and we're going to take, I think next week too. So don't tell anyone, but that's um, for, uh, that's the holiday. Next week is busy, right? The yeah. holiday. So, but yeah. no, so I'm. This is going to be the longest I've talked in a row since then. So I'll be interested to see if my voice just goes out halfway through. Yeah. Well, I'll be here to fill in <laughs> if you need. So All right. let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Yeah. So this is going to be our bowl preview show. We're recording it after mm-hmm. one of the AAC bowls has already happened. Apologies to Tulsa. Can't give you a preview again. My bad. I got Sorry sick. about it, <laughs> but bad. they won. So it's like, it's fine. Exactly. We'll we'll touch on that in a minute. First, I do want to go way back to Army Navy because you were there. I want you mm-hmm. to. I mean, Navy seventeen, Army thirteen. You're welcome for mm. talking you into it. Uh, <laughs> I know. That, I'm glad because well, you know what it was. It, it it worked out because it was in New York, and you know it's normally in Philly, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so because it was in New York, and we were going to be there for the Heisman, it just it worked out perfectly. And they they did such a great job for the 20th anniversary of 9/11, having it. You know, um, it was actually in New Jersey, but you know, um, and they it was incredible. I mean, I saw, and it's crazy because I saw a bunch of people at the game that I haven't seen in a while, and it was just like this great um collection of people throughout college football that I got to catch up with and I even ran into radio hosts from the Bay Area on the sideline and just all of this stuff but um everybody is right it's the most incredible thing in college I mean there it was nothing like it I I was moved to tears multiple times and I there's really there was not a lot I could describe I was trying to write my recap and I was like this is so hard because it's incredible it's America's game like it really is so Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the good guys won this year. So that's what matters the most. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, good, I guess they're all good guys, though. Is, but I'm glad Navy. I'm glad Navy won. AAC show we got. Yes. I'm glad Navy won. Got to pack it in for Navy. Uh, yes. No. Happy for Ken. It was good to see that him. Was, like, yeah. Yeah. Just the way the season went, it was such a difficult mm-hmm. schedule and a lot of difficult circumstances for Navy. So it was good for them to get that win at the end and get that share of the uh, commander in chief's trophy. But, you know, I I'd actually was on a train when, that went by the stadium at one point that night, but I was not there. No, because I was in New York just for my own thing. Oh my God. That's right. I think, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So um, I, I it was my first time at MetLife. It was beautiful. Like the, the tailgating was incredible. The weather was not great, which was unfortunate because that did hinder some of the flyover mm-hmm. stuff, but they still like the whole, pageantry from um they had all the army cadets and the the navy cadets march out on the field individually in units and that was so cool and then they had the um the, what i think they call it the army navy olympics or something like that where they have actual soldiers mm-hmm. um army and navy compete against each other through op- like football obstacle courses mm-hmm. so that was like really cool to see and i think so that's navy something that you like never see just watching yeah. on tv yeah, you wouldn't have because it was before the game and they were it was um, Kim and I were down there right by where they were doing it. And I was getting like really into it and um, cheering mm-hmm. and it was so fun. And then um, we got to see the Bill the Goat. No, did he get kidnapped his, this year? I don't know. There was two of them and I didn't know the whole story. So I actually did a deep dive on like where the goat 
came from and why. And um, so we got to actually learn about that, which was kind of cool. Um, I, I mean, I could go on and on. It was just, I got, it was incredible. I ran into our buddies or my buddy, the temple offensive and defensive coordinators. They were both oh, at yeah. the game. You had a, you had a good story go up about them. Yeah. That, so I had written that story last year when I first met Matt Drinkall, um, the army tight ends coach, he's a big fullbacks enthusiast. So he and I grabbed a picture together on the sideline and I caught up with him. And, and when I first met him, he told me about this group chat were all of these small ball coaches that came from like Kansas Wesleyan and, you know, St. Francis, like little small schools. Mm -hmm. um, they came up together and they're all really good friends and they check in on each other. They have like a group chat. So when you told me about that, I was like, wait a minute, I need to track these down. Like Will Hall is in one, um, mm -hmm. all these guys. So I, that's how I became good friends with Jeff Knowles and Mike Yermovich. And it just so happened that they came up from Philly to support drink hall at the game. And I was able to talk to them both about, you know, everything at temple and what they're doing now. So it was, it was interesting to say yeah. the least without getting too much into yeah. you got all the temple insights now. I did. Yeah. And it's not pretty. It's just not, a, it's it's a new worse regime. than we thought. <laughs> it's, it's a new regime for a reason. I think it's a safe way to put it. Yeah. A lot of, and, and even a couple of the other people I talked to about who know Rod Carey is not that he's a bad guy, I guess, but he's just not a good head coach is what we're hearing. And uh, some of the things I want people to know were exaggerated. For example, the uh, tweet that was going around, but the guy saying the strength coach's picture was in his locker and he was being harassed and bullied. Things like that were not in fact true. Um, from what I was being told, um, some of the players were fabricating things and some of them had some emotional and mental issues, but um, there was enough bad stuff that the program needed to change. But I just don't want like the coaches portrayed as like, you know, you want accurate. You want to right. I, yeah. I don't, I think it's not fair to say that they were like going around bullying these kids and, um, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, it wasn't like an urban Meyer situation, right? Uh, well, what's urban Meyer situation? <laughs> the, the most recent one, I guess he, he wasn't kicking kick. Oh my God. Where did you get that? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not a Jaguar fan. I am wearing a Jaguar sweatshirt though. That's wild. I can't tell you why, because you're, it's again, sidetrack. So, when Blake Bortles got drafted to the Jaguars, oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of became a joke Jaguars fan amongst friends. It's like a secondary team to like root for Bortles. And, uh, you know, I'm from New England. It's I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. It's much better being a Patriots fan than really any other team. And especially that, that's uh, fair. I'm 25 years old. Tom Brady, like literally, I was like four years old when he got drafted. It's been easy. That's crazy. I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it became kind of just like a running gag that I was a Jaguars fan for while Bortles was there. So now I've got a few Jaguars things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I break Blake Bortles when he won that game against Baylor. Mm. Uh, that was like, Beautiful. I predicted that, right. I was like a big Bortles person. And that was one of my first, I was at some bowl game festival or something. And I was a, bung, a, a young writer amongst mm -hmm. a bunch of older writers. And I had picked, you know, UCF in that game and everyone laughed at me and then they won. And yeah. so it was my first legitimized prediction and people were well, like, okay. You know, so. people were, people gave UCF no shot in that game. Yeah. And, you know, that was a great game. That's the it 2013 a, Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. 2013 Fiesta Bowl. We're talking about people. It's, it was beautiful. Yeah. And it's on the entire game's on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, it's like 55, 45 final really fun game to just watch to watch yeah, it was incredible um, see Bortles being the boat that he is I'll yeah. maintain to the day I died Jacksonville misused him didn't understand his strengths Bortles is one of the guys I've developed a, a new metric for drafting quarterbacks um and then like seeing how well they do mm -hmm. and it's called the thickness quotient oh yeah he's and a thick boy yeah and honestly like I think the thicker you are the higher trajectory of you are less likely to be injured therefore like your career is better and you know longer <clears throat> It's not, it's not proven in science, but if you look at the guys that are thick, Blake Bortles, I mean, you know, did what he did, but you've got Ben Roethlisberger has an extremely long career. Um, you've got guys like, I mean, it could go on. I think Mac Jones fits in that category. He's, he's thick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I forget when it was too. And his, this is a whole Blake Bortles sidetrack now, but like at yeah. one point in his NFL career, like four or five years in, he was like the, number two all-time in quarterback rushing yards on like designed rush plays behind like Michael Vick. 
like yard, like average yards per rush or something like that. It was like Michael Vick, Blake Bortles, one, two for rushing quarterbacks. Like, yeah, love, love Blake Bortles. Gus Bradley, terrible head coach, misused him. Doug Marone could have gone to the Super Bowl if they didn't get scared against the Patriots in the second half and turtle up. I'll maintain those things to the day I die. Blake Bortles misused. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. That's, Anyways. Yeah, that's enough of that tangent. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know how we got from Army and Navy all the way to there. But... No, it's fine. We should we should just... But it's fine. But anyway, so... Yeah, yeah it, it happens. Army, Navy, <laughs> Army, Navy was great. We managed to stay for one half because we had to leave and go into New York City for the Heisman ceremony. Um, and the first half was pretty straightforward like a lot of what you would expect to see there were some breakaway runs that i was surprised there's more happened. throwing than i was expecting in the first a half. lot more throwing yeah and i think that everybody was kind of shocked by that it wasn't always pretty and it wasn't great but they but did it's more to catch you by surprise they tried. Like, yeah. yeah but we missed the best part of the game and you know the situation where Diego Fago has like the best play. I mean, reading mm-hmm. the quotes from those guys about how that happened, it was like divine intervention Yeah, that he was able to do that. So no, it, it was a great, great second half. And it was exactly what you wanted in an army Navy game it was close 17, 13, one score game. It was mm-hmm. came down to, you know, effort and pride and just oh, so much passion point. Now it was everything you wanted in an army Navy game. Yeah, it was incredible. I even, I mean, just writing about it later, using some of the quotes, I was like, oh, I couldn't ask for, I heard next year they're going to do it in Baltimore. That's, yeah. Somebody was telling me. They're doing it in Baltimore a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was telling my dad. Pretty big. I was telling my dad about it because he was, uh, he served in Vietnam and my grandfather was a baton um, death march survivor from World War II. So very big military family. So for me, it was like more than just the game and just seeing these people that these young men and women that serve our country and, and what they do and what my family's done. So I told my dad, I'm going to take him either. I think when it goes back to Philly, I'll take him. I was going to say, it's just a shame it has to be in Baltimore. Yeah, I'm probably going to go. I'm probably never going to miss this. As long as they'll credential me, I'll go. It's incredible. Mm. So Awesome. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, now, we do have some bowl games to get to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Okay. And I'm going to say it's not really a preview because this game already <laughs> happened. Tulsa won 30 to 17 over Old Dominion. Really, recap. Seven of those points for Old Dominion were a kickoff return for touchdown right away. It seemed to wake Tulsa up in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, Tulsa's defense played excellent in this game. Davis Brin looked really solid. They controlled the ball, a lot of kicking, really good. Spe- you know, a lot of special teams in this game, good and bad from Tulsa. But solid <laughs> solid win. They covered. Uh, yeah, sorry we didn't get to preview it. That's my bad. I was sick. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm sure people will survive. Good, good for Tulsa. Picked, I would have picked Tulsa. Yeah. So Mark, that's yeah. a win for me. I would also have picked Tulsa. I'm not, I don't, I'm not picking Old Dominion. It was really cool to see Old Dominion actually make a bowl game, though, given they were, yeah. like, I want to say, 1 and 11 in 2019, didn't play in 2020, and started the season 1 and 6. Mm-hmm. So, like, just good on them for making a bowl game. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun game to watch, all things considered. Uh, but, yeah. Everybody loves the Myrtle Beach Bowl, but you know what's funny? Coastal, when I was in Coastal Carolina, they were like trying to predict what bowl game they were going to be at. And they were just like praying that they would not get that one because they wanted to go somewhere. Well, it's not just that, like, you know, for them, that's their backyard. And like, they really wanted to go somewhere. So they got, yeah, the Cure Bowl in Orlando. Yeah. So they got to go to Florida and they loved it, but it was funny. They were like, please no Myrtle beach, but they were like, we could see ESPN putting us there because it makes sense. Right. It's easy. Um, And it would have done well, but it's, they were hoping for a different one and they got it. So we love that. Yeah. Good for them uh, as well. It was a fun game. This is a game that doesn't take it to, uh, itself too seriously as the early yeah. games really shouldn't. Like the Bahamas Bowl, I don't take it too seriously. It's about having a good time. I and love the dance-off in the Bahamas Bowl. That was yeah. like the best thing ever. Absolutely. Great. Something I don't think enough people appreciate about these bowls is that they're really a design. They're designed for in two ways, basically. The mm-hmm. first is to be a reward for the players for a good season. Yeah. So it's supposed to be a fun time and a good time and just hanging out. And if a I'm going to say if a player wants to opt out, who cares? Because it is 
supposed to be a reward, not an obligation to go to these games. Okay, uh, but you know, okay, prestige as you want to. Yeah, play. and I under, and I agree with you, but I am gonna be honest and say that I will judge players that don't play in the bowl game. And you have every right to. I just yeah. I don't care if they skip out on these bowl games, especially the non-New Year Six ones. Like the non-New Year Six, in my head, are these prestigious things that like are a goal to win. You know what I mean? But like, it makes me wonder what kind of a guy is doesn't want to play one last game with their brothers. That as uh, a team player, that makes me wonder. I watched Jalen Smith tear his knee to shreds. I I understand. I watched you know, I mean, in his career, he was going to be one of the best linebackers in like the NFL, and his career was derailed by it. Like, I mean, there's. I understand why you would not want to risk it on an exhibition game, but I think, so all I'm saying is these are a reward game. So they're just supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. And if you're concerned about your professional future, I don't blame you. Now, if I, if you're going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick, I don't know that you're like necessarily doing yourself any favors by skipping. If you're going to be a first round pick, I get that's what I'm saying. I get skipping the Liberty Bowl if you're a fifth round pick or if you're a first. I would tell you firsthand when I was last year, I was at the, um, the senior bowl. And I was at the college winner and showcase. And I was able to go the Minnesota Viking scout that was there. He let me shadow him and work with him for the day. So I was able to set meetings with all the players he wanted to meet with, see what he talks to them about, mm-hmm. do all the questions, all the assessments, everything. Cause I want to get into scouting. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that they look at character. They look at who you are and what kind of team player you are. So Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like, to me, it's a little bit in that case, like circumstantial, like, like, I yeah. said, are, are you skipping the Liberty Bowl to like play for a game between two, eight and four teams? Or are you skipping the Rose Bowl? I think those are very mm-hmm. different things. That's all. Uh, and but if other, you're a guy on the edge trying to like well, and prove a, yourself, if, if, I can only see it as beneficial. About, yeah, if we're talking about a sixth round pick versus a second round pick, those mm-hmm. are two different things as well. Right. You know, so like it. To me, there's factors that you look into it. But yeah, but the other reason bowl games exist are to serve as advertisements for the local area that they serve. They do. Right. No, they, you're right. Like, I don't think people appreciate enough how much a bowl game is just a big advertisement. Like, we make fun of the silly sponsor sometimes, but like, why is the Gasparilla Bowl called the Gasparilla Bowl? Because it's marketing the Gasparilla Festival. Yeah. In Tampa. It's marketing Tampa to as like a fun place to go and party. Like, you know. So yeah. one thing I love about the Myrtle Beach Bowl anyways is that it doesn't take itself seriously and has that very laid back, like we're just chilling at Myrtle Beach atmosphere to it. You, know, yeah. you get like uh, the Ryan and McGree, uh, Ryan and McGee crew. They always like do the sideline stuff for the game. And I don't know if you like them or not, but I do. I think they're funny. Oh yeah, no, like, Marty and McGee, they're, Marty, Marty yeah. and Ryan are yeah, really Ryan good McGee friends. And, uh, Marty, Ryan's a good yeah. buddy of mine. Marty is awesome. He gave me help with my book. Yeah. Like I love them, but what they do, it's so funny is what Kim and I kind of do, mm-hmm. obviously not for ESPN, but we do the same thing. Whereas we go to these cities and we cover the game, but we also cover the environment and yeah, the what makes the city it, yeah. fun to the culture. Exactly. For mm-hmm. college towns, I think it's important. So Exactly. And they always love to do the Myrtle Beach Bowl because they yes, love they Myrtle do. Beach. Actually, so like, I, I watched the broadcast earlier today and they were on it and they made it just a, such a fun broadcast to be, to watch and enjoy. So like, you got to love everything about this type of bowl game. And I know people say there are too many bowls. But they're not like this I is like so, them all. I'm not even. Like, also, yeah, not this mad. is so much better to watch if it's two in the afternoon on a Monday. What am I going to watch? The Myrtle Beach Bowl or a rerun of Friends? Or like, like what else is on that you're like so high and mighty to not watch the Myrtle? Beach I know, Bowl? right? Like, well, unless you're working, like you know, uh, I was, but like, yeah, from home, so yeah, <laughs> that must be nice. <laughs> Well, we missed that one, but we have some other ones to preview. So exactly. Uh, Our next one up is the Gasparilla Bowl. I mentioned it just now. Uh, (laughs) December 23rd. That is Thursday, this Thursday coming up. Uh, UCF in Florida. It's sold out standing room only at Raymond. The Florida Mega Bowl. The only bowl game that matters (laughs) this year is the Gasparilla Bowl. It reminds me of the semi-pro Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. That's what I this feels like to me. So excited for this. Time. I bet. I'm going to let uh, you wax poetic on this one. Florida's a seven point favorite. I don't know Ooh, why. Yeah. That, I don't know that's why you disrespect. Florida. 
Florida, Emory Jones is going to be playing in this game. I apparently that's a thing you can do. I don't know why that's odd to me. Uh, they're a mess. New coaching staff coming in. I think I said on the last show that the new, uh, new coaching staff, Billy Napier was going to coach this game. That was a lie on my part. I misread a thing. He's going <laughs> to, I misunderstood a tweet I had read in what, whoops, it is. So he's not going to be coaching this game. No, I misread okay. it. I misread it. Oh, no, I, I was like, that sounds like <laughs> something he would do. So I'm not surprised, yeah. you know? Yeah, no. Uh, anyways, Emory Jones will be playing. I think UCF has a very good shot at getting to him because, frankly, as long as UCF has good pass rushers, as long as they keep him in the pocket and get to him, he's a little bit flat foot. I think they can defend him. Now, if they let him get out and run, UCF struggles against running quarterbacks. I think that'll be the matchup to watch is how well they contain Emory Jones to the pocket. Uh, I don't think Florida has any interest in this game, to be honest mm. with you. I, yeah, this is I a lose-lose game for Florida in a lot of yeah. ways. I think some of their players might talk a lot about it, but I don't This year know. is over for them. They just want it to be over. Like I know. They, like, I know some of them are going to be like, all right, we can put UCF in their place because they're up a Dean talk, but like, let's be real. They've had a miserable year, and I don't think they're going to be that interested in this game. Florida's yeah. offense was big-time bad this year. Florida's defense was big-time bad this year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll be interested to see where Mike Keen's at in this game because I've had mixed feelings about him as the season's gone on. I've seen the progression. I've also seen a quarterback who still isn't really comfortable, but you know, he's still a freshman, so we'll see where he's at against uh, – yeah at least a very talented team, even if it's a team that maybe hasn't wanted to be there. Right. Uh, You know, I haven't heard of any opt-outs from UCF other than, I guess, obviously Dylan Gabriel, who transferred to UCLA. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to the Pac-12, Dylan. I think actually UCLA is a pretty good landing spot for him. Um, Also, stop tweeting at people who are transferring and stuff like that. It's gross the way people tweet it. I mean, yeah, I have been staying away from Gabriel. it. But, like players are allowed to transfer just the way anyone else does. Yeah. They transfer for any number of reasons. In the case of Dylan Gabriel, I think it's fairly safe to say he signed on to play for a different coach and he gave yeah. it a shot for a year. And he was it for him and he got hurt. Jesus. And he like, got hurt and he wanted to get somewhere else where yeah. he could market himself with NIL. Don't get me wrong. That's a part of it. He wants to go to a good city to market himself. He wanted to get back out to the West Coast where I don't know if you remember, he's from Hawaii. Maybe, maybe too much on the East Coast for him, you know? Yeah. And you know, maybe he just said, I don't think this is the system for me. I'd rather be in Chip Kelly's system, which has produced quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota, who's from the islands. Don't forget. Yeah, you know? true. So I think there's People a lot. People forget of- about Marcus Mariota, but like he won the Heisman. <laughs> They do because he had such a bad NFL career. I know. Isn't that wild you know, that you I'm could you could be enough. like, he is not thick. That is true. But it's wild that somebody like that could win the Heisman and tank and like not do well. But then Christian McCaffrey, who didn't win the Heisman yeah, prior I mean, to this year without McCaffrey, the injuries, was we all know beast. McCaffrey should have won the Heisman, though. He should have. People want to say Derrick Henry deserved it over him. And I'm like, how? Give me one people didn't reason for that year. It's fine. No. Well, that is the problem. That's, that is the problem. I'm like, Christian did everything for his team. Mm-hmm. Literally. Like he did kickoffs. Yeah. He but, returned punts. Um, like he, I don't want to get too sidetracked at the Heisman. No, you're fine. I'm incredibly <laughs> mad at how this year's voting went. Um, yeah, that was I, crazy. Right. I'm just happy. At least um, Aiden got, Second, I mean, I thought Will Anderson should have won the Heisman though when he wasn't even a top a four. Bailey Zappi, the Western Kentucky quarterback who shattered records <laughs> this year, wasn't in the top yeah. ten. Like, yeah. I know people don't it, watch it football was... and they only check box scores and they only do it of certain teams. I'll tell you this about the Heisman because we were there all three, all four, four candidates. Yeah, well, we didn't really get to talk to Kenny Pickett because he wasn't there the first day, but all three of the guys were super nice super respectful, like had no problem with them as, as human beings. They were incredible. Uh, Bryce young, super yeah. small. Yeah. He, they, like, they list him at six tiny. feet. There's no way he said six feet. No shot and not thick. Like no. I could pick him up. He's like Jimmy Garoppolo tiny. Like when he well, first started at the Niners, we're going to have a chance to talk about Alabama a little bit. I know. All right. We'll get but, there. 
<laughs> oh, I'm glad you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo at the 49ers because man, is he handsome. Love it. He's, uh, he is not he is not handsome and he is not thick, and that is why he got hurt. You don't like Jimmy. You're the first, No, I don't like Jimmy G. First one I've per, first person I've ever met who hasn't been like, yeah, he's yeah, hot. no. No, ew, no. Uh, let me tell no. you what. Uh, every I guess young woman is the best way to word it, who's my age when Jimmy G was on the Patriots when we were all in college. They made you feel bad that you didn't look like Jimmy G. You know, for like, for oh, a college, I prefer Jimmy G's face. Yeah, a college age girl, I could understand that, but a grown woman knows better. A and B, <laughs> I stood next to him in a suite at the Sharks game because at the time, for a nanosecond, I was kind of dating one of the offensive linemen for the Niners, and so I stood next to Jimmy G, and I literally could have picked him up and broken him over my knee. Now I'm not a tiny girl. I played soccer in college. Like I have curves. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm with the thickness. Okay. But I'll tell you what, you do not want a quarterback leading your team that I could break. Okay. That's not going to end well for you. And it didn't, he tore his MCL, whatever ACL later. Yeah. He he's had injury issues throughout his career. He tore his, Uh, he, he tore his ligament running out of bounds to avoid getting tackled. Like what the, I mean, that's how a lot of ACLs happen. That was non-contact. It was bad. And I knew it was coming. I was like, this is not the guy. And he hasn't been the guy. And it's a matter of time before he gets replaced. And they should have just done it a while ago. Well, it's going to happen after the season because they drafted Trey Lance. But uh, the Gasparilla Bowl, though, is what we're talking about. Well, we were. Do we not finish? Are we picking? Are we picking I, teams in these? Yeah, I think we are because okay. you need to catch up because ooh, oh, don't know if there's enough games. I don't uh, think I will. That's but, fine. Yeah, we'll pick teams just to keep with the theme. Uh, okay. This game, the energy is going to be good. I expect it to be like 60-40 UCF fans in the crowd. Mm-hmm. That's my expectation. I don't know that okay. I'll be right, but it is a sellout. I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I... Honestly, I just want a good game. Like, yeah, like I said, it's an exhibition. Ultimately, these two have a series of games scheduled in the next few years. So, like, it it isn't like this because those games get scheduled. This isn't like the only chance they'll get to prove who's better. Yeah, but it is. It's for it's for recruiting. It's for bragging rights. It's for a lot of things. It is for a lot of things. I think UCF's a little bit more stable position, though. UCF did just lose its offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach today. Mm-hmm. Uh, GJ Kenny uh, took the incarnate word head coaching job. Uh, so, oh, so that okay. happened. That was reported earlier today. That's that's fun for him. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a head coaching job. Uh, yeah. So he's moving on to that. So I guess that's a little instability on their coaching staff. But he was only co-seeing Gus Call's plays. So here's my thing with the game. This is what I'll say. For me, it's about UCF's defense. Yeah. Which defense is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that allows an average of 40 points a game in their losses? Or is it going to be the team that can actually hold yeah. opponents to 17 points? So yeah. if the hmm. defense decides to come to play, I pick UCF all day because yeah. I think then they win across the board. But if they struggle, Florida will take advantage of it because they have athletes they on their team. Undeniable. So. Tons of raw talent out of Florida. Yeah, I think. The trick with UCF's defense is, do you remember the Louisville game? I'm sure you do. How yeah. Mandy Cunningham got to the edge pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The ball. If Emory Jones starts taking off and can hit the edge or like if yeah. he's not kept to the pocket, that's when UCF will be in trouble. Uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be pretty imperative that guys like Ricky Barber get a push up the middle and Big Cat Bryant gets quick off the edge. Which she's capable I'm still, of. Doing. I think I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Florida. Well, I'm sorry. I know you're going to pick UCF, so. Yeah, of course, UCF. You know I just don't see Florida, like, now the more I think about it, the more, like, recruiting-wise and, like, program-wise yeah, that this is key for Florida to win this game because yeah, well, they've had, I agree. It's key for Florida to not go 6-6. Six six. It's, and for this one in particular, because if you lose this game to UCF, like, you lose the state of Florida. And that, like, if you can't in-state recruit. Yeah, well. They like know. to pretend I, that they're recruiting against someone other than UCF. I agree, but we know. But you and, and UCF's I better, moving to so. the well, yeah. UCF's moving to the Big Twelve in yeah two years time, one and a half years time, however long it is. Uh, so which, I, I don't know if you yeah. Well, I'll talk about the recruiting rankings a little bit in a well in a yeah in a little bit, but I think you're starting to see that 
the big 12 stuff click in recruiting because yeah well, we'll talk is, about that at the, I'll, I'll mention some of that at the end uh all right i promise that was our longest preview of all the games. in all fairness half that preview is talking about jimmy garoppolo and whether or not he's handsome uh, worst definitively yes he's uh, not the hawaii bowl on december 24th this is one of my favorite games every year because i get to yell at my family to stop watching christmas story because we're going to watch the <laughs> hawaii bowl uh this year it's memphis versus hawaii uh mm. i'm very interested in this game from hawaii's point of view actually because they're having did you read the sf gate article on todd graham at hawaii yeah i did i did read it i a lot of lot of players went on the record or you know anonymously went on the record with that which yeah. a lot of players are transferring out uh a lot of players he's straight up according to some players first off read the sfk article because i'm yeah. just going to be what i'm saying it comes directly from that article uh players were saying that like he told them to their face he's using them as a stepping stone players did not want to go to a bowl game because he bragged a lot of coaches like a, use their a, jobs as stepping yeah, but stones. they don't tell players but you know, but they should know that players we're not children players complain that he doesn't know their names players are talking about how he's abusive to both them and the staff verbally like he doesn't coach them hard he coaches them by insulting them uh, you know what I mean? Like, also, uh, let me it. say this. Uh, let me say one thing. I don't know. I obviously read the article. It was upsetting to me because I know Todd Graham from his time at ASU. And that was when I was first getting into the industry. He was very good friends with my mentor, Kevin Gemmel, who wrote at ESPN. And so I saw that side of Todd, of Coach Graham, yeah. that was good and kind and helpful in my career early. So it is really hard for me to rationalize that person with the person that's being reported on. I don't want to discredit the players, but that is like yeah. a different man. I don't know who that guy is and because I, that's not Todd Graham. Yeah. And what I'll say is I have no relationship with Todd Graham. I read <laughs> right. it. You know I mean? Like my knowledge of him is where he's been. Like right. basically I know you probably resume. never even watched him in ASU. I watched a couple of ASU games, okay. but yeah, I know, I know his resume. I watch Hawaii football cause I really like Hawaii football. Right. Like very broadly speaking, I like that program. So I try to watch it every chance I get. Yeah. And I, this article is one that, Oh, it's very upsetting. Really. If you care yeah. about Hawaii, or in your case, like if you care about Todd Graham, yeah, like it's upsetting all around. Thing. I'm uh, curious why it's an SF gate. Uh, so I actually, uh, there's a podcast, uh, M mountain West wires podcast, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed him and, uh, the guy who wrote it is a freelance writer. Who's freelance journalist. He lives in San Francisco and has a good relationship was it, with the SF gate editor. And, did uh, it say he's, who from it was? Hawaii. he's from Hawaii. Yeah. They interviewed him for oh. the episode that I listened to. Uh, but he basically said that he heard rumblings because he's from Hawaii about it. And then a few players came to him. He believes because he's not local media. So he's not connected in the way right. like he's not playing access journalism with Hawaii in a lot of ways. Mark uh, DeLucci. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. That's he, very he, interesting. Uh, he said he's Hawaiian. So he had a connection without being local currently. Huh. He's in relationship with the SF gate editor, which is why it ended up there as a, so it's a freelance piece. Uh, huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't know. I how does this affect Hawaii well, in this game against Memphis? I, don't, I guess if the, if the reports are true, the team mm -hmm. doesn't want to be there. Hawaii doesn't want to be there for this game, and they're upset right. that they're upset that they're going to it because it means that he gets an extra bonus check, and they're mad about that because they don't. This the program it, right. broke and playing in a and is playing in a souped-up soccer stadium, and they're just there's a lot of frustration in that program right now. Yes, that I will say. Yes. You know, so Memphis is walking into a situation that they should be able to take advantage of. I would agree with that, except for the fact that Memphis itself has had issues this year. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. they lost Mike McIntyre. So they're Mac he's the FIU head coach now. Yeah. Um, Calvin Austin opted out of this game. Like I said, mm. don't begrudge a guy for opting out of a minor bowl game. You know what I mean? He's got, yeah. I have no idea where in the draft he'll go. Probably middle rounds if I had to take Definitely it. Definitely middle. Interesting. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, would he have done anything in the Hawaii Bowl that proved like he should go higher? No, because it's Hawaii's defense and they're terrible at defense. You know what I mean? Like, debate, if you will, whether or not it hurts his draft stock as a guy who quote unquote quit on his team. I don't know. But 
Memphis is missing some guys. Their defense is going to be without its coordinator. Uh, I actually don't know off the top of my head who's going to be calling defensive plays for them now. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I Hawaii, actually don't either. Hawaii's got its own internal issues. So, yeah. Memphis is a six and a half point favorite. I think that's a pretty safe bet at six and a half. I think that. Yeah, I would pick I think Memphis. And against um, them, still be able to pick them apart pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think they're overall a better team mm-hmm. and a little bit less <laughs> of the turmoil. Um, yeah. And exactly. I just think they have more talent. So I think we're going to see Memphis win that as well. Cheer, cheer. Ooh, yay. Ooh. <laughs> Moving on to the military ball on December 27th, that's ECU versus Boston College. Uh, I got to say, like, not super excited for this. Like, I I don't know. Boston College doesn't thrill me as an opponent for ECU. I don't, I don't know why. Is it because Boston College is, like, historically the least thrilling ACC team? The side of Wake Forest? Probably. <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's BC. Um, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I'm in Massachusetts right now. I, yeah, I, I've my first major college football game, like FBS level game was Notre Dame at Boston college and it was 17, mm-hmm. nothing Boston college beat Jimmy Clausen in Notre Dame. And it was terrible because Jimmy Clausen, I was there with a bunch of Boston college season ticket holders. And I actually don't hate BC, but a lot of people who go to UMass do hate BC. So Maybe I should. I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, BC is very physical and strong. That's kind of, they've always yeah. played that kind of old school football. And then, but Jeff ECU. defensive guy and he loves Yeah, so. he does. And, and ECU is, while they are scrappy, I think they're a little more like athletic and, and come at you. They're, they're not like, I don't want to say it's like Goliath and David, but. No, that's, I think. You know what I mean? Dream. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, but I, I feel well, like it's, any, like, they're both. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Phil Dracovic. ECU's is scrappy, like, but they're not the, like big physical, you know? No, they're a small team in terms right. of size. In terms of stats, right. they're smaller. No, But they fight hard, but. They do. BC actually has struggled this year against the run defensively. Okay. So I think there's room to exploit that if you're ECU. Uh, Phil Good. Dracovic has had a hand injury for most of the year. He's playing in this game. He's coming back for next season. I think he kind of was hoping to play this year and go into the draft, but the hand injury kind of shot that in the, uh, you know, in it then the butt, I guess the best way to put that. That happened against mm-hmm. UMass. He injured his hand. So go you. Good job. Uh, keeping Dracovic <laughs> at Boston College another year. Uh, <laughs> he's actually a good quarterback, though. He's got good mobility, good arm strength. Um, I actually got, again, this is the t- tricky thing is I'm trying to remember if I saw where that safe flowers, the really good wide receiver for BC. Yeah. He opted out or not. I, I think he's playing. I was going to say, I haven't heard of him, of him opting out, but yeah. I could have missed it too. But this is the trouble with bowl season is five. No, he's expected out. to play is okay. what I'm seeing. So, so yeah, that's going to be priority. Number one for yeah. ECU secondary is trying to find him probably double team him because he's an NFL wide receiver. Uh, right. You know, I'm just happy you made a bowl game, though. I don't really care about the result for them. Like, if, I mean, that's fair. I mean, like, obviously, you want to win if you're ECU. And well, I think they do beat Boston College. I think yeah. I would pick them. Yeah, I'm going to pick them in this game. I'm going to take BC. I think David beats Goliath. I mean, I hate calling Boston College Goliath. I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you want me to call it Jack and the Beanstalk and they're the Beanstalk? No, I don't know. Is better? Okay. No, it's just, it's it's a medium-sized guy versus like a littler <laughs> guy. That's all. It's not, it's not okay. quite that extreme. They need to write a fairy tale about that then. Cause I don't know. I don't know what to call that, but I'm going to take ECU. <clears throat> yeah. I'll go BC because I think that it's going to kind of become, oh, I don't think it's going to, I think it'll become a shootout. And I think that, uh, well, I guess I trust Phil Dracovic a little bit more than I trust uh, Holton Ehlers. Yeah, we know. We know you don't trust Holton Ehlers fully. <laughs> I saw that one coming. <laughs> wonder why. Uh, yeah, I mean, but again, like I said, still a great year for ECU, whether they win or lose. Winning's obviously better than losing, but 
awesome, awesome year to even make a bowl game with where they were at when Mike Houston first got there. Right? We can agree on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. Birmingham Bowl, December 28th. That's Houston versus Auburn. This might be the one I'm the most excited about, barring the Cotton Bowl. This is a very interesting yeah. matchup, I think. It is. Bo Nix is gone, so I believe – actually, yep. I believe TJ Finley will be the starter for Auburn. Tank Bigsby hit the transfer portal for like 12 hours before taking his name out. Very disappointed <laughs> he did this. I assume with anyone leaving Auburn that UCF is first in line to get them. Uh the transfer hey, portal is wild. It's a wild thing to watch. It's, I can't, yeah. it's, too, it's, it's been too a, much. It's a lot of change for how teams are mm-hmm. built. And the reality is like when you get a new coach in, a lot of players seem to like they're giving them one year and seeing if they like them or not. And if they don't, they're saying bye, which I think is perfectly yeah. fair to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair. You recruit, like if you're Tank Bigsby, say, or you, were recruited and signed to play for Gus Malzahn. He's not there. Right. They brought in this other guy who they chose for you. Uh, he's got a completely different approach to practice. Say he's got a different offensive system. You know, he's yeah. a different person. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not necessarily a knock on Brian Harson, but you didn't sign on to play for Brian Harson or right. whatever Ryan Mix coach he brought in or whatever offense coordinator he brings in. So you mm-hmm. should be allowed to go and say like, no, I want to actually play for this coach the way Bo Nix did when he left or the way, yeah. like I said, or the way Dylan Gabriel did when he left UCF, because he didn't sign to play for Gus Malzahn. He played, for, he signed to play for Josh Heupel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it's going to take getting used to for fans, I think, and getting used to for teams and how they put together things. And, you know, it's just a change. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Auburn's going through that. On Houston side of it, though, they lost to the only Power Five team they played, and they lost to mm-hmm. Cincinnati, the only like good, like I shouldn't say the only, yeah. good team, but like <laughs> kind of the only the good real team challenge, the real the, challenging game they far, had, the, the yeah. only ranked opponent they played. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like you had, they lost to them in spectacular fashion, though. Really awful. So that player. not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question is, like we were saying about Florida, Auburn mm-hmm. did not have the year that they wanted to have, and they're dealing with like attrition at this point, but they still have a ton of really good raw talent on that team. Are you yeah. able with Houston to go in there and prove that you can compete with a team that has that type of talent, or was all your success against teams that just didn't have as much talent as you do? And, you know, like, congrats on winning 10-plus games, but who would mm-hmm. you beat? Like, I hate to do the who'd you beat thing because FBS football is FBS football, but you know what I mean? Yeah, but I I think you can point to the statistics. Like, yes, they played not great teams, but Clayton Toon and, you know, McCaskill still Mm -hmm. managed to put up impressive numbers, even though they're playing down. So I think that Auburn is getting handed a little bit in this game because they're sec and they're getting that bias but i honestly feel that if houston plays the way we've seen them be capable of playing Mm -hmm. and and mccaskill has a game tune has a near perfect game doesn't make any mistakes i think houston can win this game um Mm -hmm. and they should be getting more respect Mm -hmm. being that they're ranked I don't know where the disrespect. I mean, I do know where it's coming it's, from, it's but SEC I don't like AAC. it. SEC That's what I it is. I hate it. I mean, that's why it's you, ridiculous. Yeah, Auburn's a three and a half point favorite, and that's why they are. Uh, yeah, that's my thing is I don't think Auburn's that good a team. I think, well, I don't think I know that there's a lot of like infighting at Auburn about uh, Brian Harson already and the direction of the program under him because that's what Auburn does is they infight. You know, they – it's not a super healthy situation. He had to let go of Mike Bobo as his offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. He, I thought Bobo was a weird hire to begin with, to be honest, yeah. because agreed. I got it. He wanted to bring in a coordinator with SEC experience because he had none, but Bobo had not had SEC like success. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would have maybe gone for a guy who had been around a little bit less, but had more upside. But that's what second chances are for, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, but no, I mean, how, how much is, like we've been talking about Florida. Florida wants to be there because they don't want to lose the state to UCF in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. What's it? 
what's there for Auburn at all in this game? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's nothing, but I will say this. Auburn's defense is, you know, an SEC defense. They're formidable. So Yeah, but their offense is dreadful. Oh, yeah, it it, agreed. But the defense is really, really, really good, too. It's good. Yeah, so I I feel it's going to be low scoring. But the question is, like you said earlier, that comes back to quality of play. Did Houston play enough defenses like that were good enough tests to play a defense like this. Cincinnati's I mean, Cincinnati was, defense than yeah. Auburn, but yeah, I mean, other than that. And that didn't, but that didn't end well for them. So no, no I thing. don't know. I want to pick Houston in this game because I think they're outright the better team, but I don't have a lot of faith in them winning big and, games. Look what they and, did with Texas tech to start the season. Yeah. I know they're come a long way, but. I'm going to pick Houston because I don't like I'm, Auburn. I'm uh, going to pick Houston too, but I feel like they're going to break my heart. No, and I, mean, I want to go on record as saying everybody was talking about Brandon Jones leaving. No, mm-hmm. he was not. He's not going to leave. And if he was going to leave, I would have heard about it first yeah. of all. And second right. of all, he's one of, he's one of, if not the highest paid position coaches in yeah. college football, he has a very he's, good deal in Houston. Houston His family's in Texas. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He likes he likes it there. So moving to USC, first of all, that report was ridiculous. They were courting him and they were trying to negotiate a deal, but it was nowhere near done, not even close no. when yeah. that was reported. It so. was heavily implied that it was like done and in the works by people no. reporting that. Uh, so. Yeah. Shout out to you uh, for knowing better. That. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Never get any credit, but I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> that works. Uh, the Fenway Bowl, December 29th, Virginia versus SMU. <laughs> the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what that is. That? is. I, look, I don't know. <laughs> like Wasabi the Food is sponsoring No, it's it, it not oh, Wasabi okay. the Food because I was, <laughs> okay. doing, I was writing a preview article about it earlier today. So I know it's that would be incredible because it'd be free sushi for everybody. All the yeah. sushi. I think they're having trouble selling tickets to this game, to be honest. I saw That's like fair. them releasing like new packages for tickets and like get a free soda and hot dog with for a family four <laughs> tickets. That's an SMU special. That is an SMU move right there. They do that for all their home games, by the way. Wasabi That's an SMU move. Wasabi Technologies. Oh, technology. Okay. Well, hot I'm cloud idiot, but... storage. I don't know. Wasabi for like the food would have been better. The seasoning been. or I don't, what do you even, is, is wasabi a food? Yeah. Or is it like, like a, it's when like the little green ball you get with sushi. No, I like, mean, I know what it is, but is it considered? No, it's, it's a, okay. It's a plant. Wasabi or Japanese horseradish is a plant of the family. I can't even say it. Mustard, horseradish and mustard and other genre, a paste. So it's a, it's, it's a food. Yeah. It's a food. It's a food. Okay. It's a food. It's a food. It's a food. I'm just like, I don't know. I thought it was like a condiment technically, because it oh. kind of is. Condiment it's a paste. Condiment well, food. Is it? I would say so. It's a category of food. Um, you eat it, don't you? Is a condiment a food? Yeah. You eat it, don't you? I'm going to tweet this out because let's, let's bring Joey into this. Yes. I mean, he I haven't talked to him in a while. He's the expert. Yeah, he would. His word is is law. When people ask him, like, is a hot dog a sandwich, they take his answer as verbatim. So. I once wrote a freelance article on whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich, and I believe the answer is technically yes. I'd like FDA definition, but that's that's a whole other But it's story. like, it's a gut feeling, but, okay? Yeah, like, come, come on, we yeah. all know a hot dog's a hot dog, not a sandwich. It's, it's, it's not a sandwich, yes. It's it's, that's what he says, too. He says it's mm-hmm. something. Anyways, uh, this matchup is one of the least exciting things I've ever seen in my well, whole life. <laughs> well, I think there's storylines, too. Not it's exciting. Off, they're doing pre-stuff at the Casking Flagon, which is great for those of us who care about the Red Sox. Uh, it's at mm-hmm. Fenway Park, which is hosted... Uh, Shamrock series. It is cool. I love when they do bowl games. It's gonna be a really unique. I love that. If any, if no one's ever seen a football game at Fenway Park, it's a really unique look. Uh, That sounds. No one's ever seen a game from Fenway Park. The chairs are all designed for people from like 1912 in terms of the size of their waistlines, and uh, for some reason they couldn't manage to get any of them to quite face the direction you need to. And there's like poles that block your view half the time. So like know what seat you're buying <laughs> i guess is the best way to put that yeah and i don't know you how should always are. look at what seat you're buying any yeah, year but like, a lot of people don't realize like there's tickets you can buy at fenway park where like 
your seat will be aimed at center field and there will be a pole blocking the way towards home. Like obstruction. Oh my God. So a guy on our site, Campus FB Tours, um, his name is Mike Barker. He actually does that. He finds obstructed seats in Mm. stadiums. So that's funny that you say that, but a lot of places have them. Park holds like 37,000 people or something like that. And probably 17,000 are obstructed views. Like that's a lot of wild. So you'll pay for it and you can't see the game. Oh yeah. Easy. It's that's because it's so, so old and like, that's just how it's designed. Uh, I love Fenway Park. It's the perfect baseball stadium. Like it makes you feel so like you've stepped back in time. I, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, obviously. So like, it is like special to me in that way, but like, it is so much better than any other baseball stadium, despite all its flaws. Like up until the time I was like a teenager, it had a horse trough in the men's bathroom for a urinal and it like mm-hmm. everything about it was better. I missed the horse trough. Just a bunch of drunk Boston guys just trying and missing the horse trough. It's great. Wow. Uh, anyways, I don't think a lot of people are going to this game. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very cold in late December in Boston. Uh, it's between SMU and Virginia who aren't exactly next door. Right. Uh, I don't know that SMU fans will travel to it. it. I wouldn't. Like, if I lived in Dallas, I wouldn't travel to Boston for it. No, I, I don't. What is it? I think a middle tier bowl game, but also could be a lower tier bowl game, depending on, and it's after Christmas, but you know, it's the first year the scheme's ever happened. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm excited for the aesthetic to it. I don't know that it is much beyond that. I think it's interesting that both teams are going through coaching transitions. Sonny Dykes left, uh, Jim Levitt's going to be the interim coach for the game. Brett Lashley hasn't taken over yet for the in-game stuff. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall kind of surprisingly announced he's stepping away. So this is his last game as head coach. I just saw earlier today that the OC for Virginia just stepped down, so he won't call plays for the game. Uh, A lot of coaching turnover. Danny Gray and Reggie Roberson both opted out for SMU's wide receivers. You know, so they're down a bunch of guys on offense. Yeah, I'm interested by it, but I don't know what to expect from it. Yeah, I I mean, for me, it comes down to SMU is looking to come back from like a pretty dismal end to their season. Yeah, that's and how much Virginia, focus do they have right now? I don't think yeah, much. Like probably not. You're so Virginia. Virginia is trying to finish with a winning record. They, you know, yeah, they they're need trying to that... send out their coach on a high note as he steps away for, I don't know the reason exactly. I think he said, just spend time with his family. Yeah. Uh, so like, I don't, this game is, I don't know. I'm going to pick Virginia because I think they're going to be a little, I think they've got a little bit more to play for. I think they're going to be a little bit more focused. Uh, okay. I think SMU is kind of just trying to get through the season right now. Right. And I think I love Jim Levitt and I think he's an incredible motivator of men from what I've heard and my experience with him. So I'm going to, I'm going to go SMU, even though I don't, I don't really think they'll win the game, but I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick them. Fair enough. One more game left. Yes. The cotton Bowl, the college football playoff semifinal, December 31st, the day we all want to be watching the semifinal new year's Eve. Alabama minus 13 and a half versus Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Tell me everything. Mm-hmm. I So I just found out that I will be covering this game. Ooh. Very, very excited. Yeah. Cotton Bowl, I'll tell you of all the bowl games uh, is one of my favorites. They have the they best media job. hospitality. Oh my God. They have, it's incredible. And my buddy, uh, Scotty Rogers is the VP of communications there now. So, I mean, he's just first class all the way. So, um, a lot of requests. We only, like, I was a little nervous about getting credentialed. We did get our photographer Kim in as well. So Kim mm. and I will be there. Our dynamic duo solves. Um, I, well, awesome. you know, it's going to be great. I'm, I, I don't know how many more storylines you can come out with when it comes to just breaking down what each team has. I mean, everybody knows, what you're getting with both teams. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that came out about the COVID-19 um, protocols. Now Alabama is revert, I guess, reverting, returning to their safety protocols from last year. 
So they're back to wearing masks in the facilities, social distancing during meetings. Um, 90% of the players are vaccinated and received their booster shots. So with this going on probably right an now, abundance of caution. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we're in a state right now, a stage, not, a, not like the state particularly, we're in a stage where we're seeing numbers surge again. People are getting, you know, they're not getting as sick, but we're seeing more people. They're, they're saying this Omicron is very yeah. transferable. So that's a yeah. worry. And so I was very I'm, curious how this was going to affect you know, the yeah. semifinals and then the final. So. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I hope it doesn't affect it. I hope that all the teams... Take... And everyone's going home for the holidays. I, so. I don't know that these guys are going home for the holidays, to be honest. It says that they are. They It says Saban and his staff are doing their best to educate players on the risk of the virus and sending them home with a care package with everything they need to stay safe. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope so. that all the teams do take proper caution. Nothing bad happens. I... I'm going to say I'm not an expert on transferable diseases or anything. Right. I mean, none of us are. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to touch it is the best way I can put it. Hey, if, you know, if you can get vaccinated, you should be vaccinated because it helps you not get super sick. I don't think Mm -hmm. Omicron's as deadly as the other versions, variants, but I don't know. Shit. But it appears to be easier to transfer and, and it's yeah. it's getting more. I mean, so my sister is vaccinated. That, she did get yeah. the virus not long ago. Yeah, you can get breakthrough cases. And, yeah. And a lot of people at her work. So she's a district attorney and hmm. they deal with the public in courts and, and they never really closed during COVID. But none of they didn't have that big an outbreak. But now they are. I mean, they, mm-hmm. there was a lot of cases just this past couple of yeah. weeks. So, yeah. And so you've I, got people traveling for the holidays. Like it's it's a lot. Yeah, it, it is. And there's going to be a burst of it, and I don't know. Is the I'm just mm-hmm. gonna. I, I hope nothing. But it is going to play a role to some degree in it, and, and we just don't know what for be. things. Yeah, right. It's going to play some sort of role. So yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah. we'll have to hit the ground running yeah. next week, and I'm going to go to the media day and interview both teams and coaches. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to kind of bring some storylines from um, from Dallas for everybody. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, no, I think I will touch it. It's just good that since I made it to this point, I I know <laughs> I've written kind of extensively about my feelings about just the fact that they made it. And mm-hmm. I don't need to rehash them here too much. I will say this, if they do get blown out in the end, well, why is that any different than any other school that makes the playoff semifinal? Mm-hmm. How is that different than Notre Dame last year against Alabama? If you know what I mean, like, Alabama could have named the number against Notre Dame or how is it different than Notre Dame against Clemson or when Washington made the semifinal or when, you know, Michigan state went there, like, or Oklahoma half the time they go, like, I don't want since losing big to become a referendum on ever letting another G five team into the four playoff format. I don't want to become a, see, we told you they weren't good enough to make it or they shouldn't have been there because the semifinals are kind of always blowouts. But I also don't know yeah. that, that Alabama is going to blow Cincinnati out. <clears throat> I feel like my voice is starting to go. But We're almost done. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, Alabama did reveal their Cotton Bowl uniforms. And they are very uh, traditional is the word I will use. Um, you know, red, white numbers. They've got the Cotton Bowl patch, the Nike swoosh, and really they, that's... Yeah, they want the numbers on the helmet instead of anything crazy. They didn't put it yeah. on all of a sudden. Yeah, they did the the white stripe down the front, you know, down the front of the helmet, and they did the number, but that's pretty much it. It's a very clean, classic throwback kind of look. Uh, not surprising coming from Alabama. So my question is, what are we going to see from Cincinnati? Neon yellow. No, <laughs> They're going to break out Oregon's uniforms. I'm wondering if they might go the other direction because they are the young, hip, you know, team I versus this. No, that they do because Luke Fickle's kind of a traditional guy. They'll probably wear. He is know, the, black the cool coach, though, that dances. I mean, the and... has got different combinations. They've got white yeah. helmets, black helmets, red helmets. They've got red jerseys, black jerseys, white jerseys. Same with the pants. They've got variations they can do. I don't think it'll be anything crazy. I don't know, but I we'll do hopefully think. find out this week because they haven't revealed them yet. So, And I do think for the game itself, since they actually matches up pretty well with Alabama, uh, Jameson Williams tore, no, it was Mechie that tore his ACL for Alabama, correct? 
Yes. I believe it was Mechie Torres. One of the Alabama wide receivers Torres ACL. I think so. Uh, I know one of them did. I believe it was Mechie. Since they've got a string of really good NFL defensive backs to cover, Mm -hmm. they've got a defensive end in my Jay Sanders who can pressure the quarterback. I think that they've, they're a team that's designed to compete with Alabama, at least offensively versus defensively, a lot better than people realize coming into this game. I think they'll scheme and they're going to be coached well enough to compete with them. Uh, my concern is how many points they can score on offense because I don't know how easy it's going to be for them to get open and throw the ball in Alabama with just the size and talent yeah. on that side of the ball. I think yeah. Alec Pierce needs to have a huge game and probably have three or four big, huge catches downfield for since they'd have a realistic shot. Jerome Ford probably needs to also get on his horse for like yeah. 150 plus yards. At least. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure that Desmond Ritter is going to be able to handle the pain. I really don't. I don't know. I, it's going to be so much faster. There's a lot of people who have started to talk about Desmond Ritter and the draft and where he belongs. I'm not Mm -hmm. sold on him like as a draft prospect at all, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just want him to, he knows this often so well, just play within himself and not do anything, not make mistakes in this game. Don't let it get worse. And, you know, hopefully your defense can keep you in the game where you're in a position in the fourth quarter to strike at Alabama and, you know, you know, you're using David versus Goliath a little bit earlier. I believe that that's the type of thing the broadcast is going to be talking about in this game. It's yeah, completely possible, but you're going to need a little of that like Boise State Fiesta Bowl magic or UCF Baylor Fiesta Bowl magic. Yeah, UCF Auburn Peach Bowl magic, or <laughs> you know, insert really great upset in a bowl game. You know, yeah, they're going to, they're going to need to find just a magical player too. They're going to need to punch them in the mouth right away. They're going to need to absorb the counter punch and haymakers that Alabama tries to throw at them. And yeah, you're probably going to need to have a trick play and a couple of breaks go your way, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. I really am because the truth that Notre Dame was the five slot. If they made it as the four slot Notre Dame, I'd be happy because I grew up a Notre Dame fan, but I'd also be like, God, oh, come on. I just wanted to kind of go to the Fiesta Bowl and win that. I didn't want, to go deal with Alabama and get blown out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm happy that we're gaining Cincinnati to get their shot at it. And no, I don't think they'll win, but I think they can keep it pretty damn close. I don't, I disagree. I think it's going to be Alabama by like two scores. So that's what the spread is. So way to just like be a Vegas hardliner. (laughs) That's just how I feel about Cincinnati it. Covers. Cincinnati covers. But I, <laughs> no, I do think Alabama ultimately wins the game. I just, you know, you saw both these teams play in person this year. So I yeah. think that there's a lot of credit to be given to that. Kind of like a little insider knowledge. But uh, I mean, but yeah. Alabama, I saw Alabama play one of their worst games against Florida. And then I saw Cincinnati play one of their best games against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just Alabama, like uh, experience, athleticism, power. I mean, coaching. it's hard to pick against Alabama. And I don't, I really don't like Alabama, like as a, uh, you know, they're the, they're the bully on the block that you want to beat, but yeah, it's tough. Uh, It is really tough. Yeah. Looking forward to it though. Uh, on the year, we both got the Army Navy game right. My picks are 67 and 24. You are 54 and 36. I don't believe you can catch me through bowl season, but uh, we'll see where the foul is after bowl season. Uh, <laughs> quick little bit of housekeeping Temple hired Stan Drayden as their next head coach. He was the Rainbacks coach at Texas before this. A lot of Tom Herman connections to him. Coached Ezekiel Elliott, BJ Robin, Robinson. Uh, it's going to be his first head coaching job. I know Fran Brown, the uh, Rutgers OC, had been rumored for the job, and he had a ton of Temple experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they end up going Drayden, with Drayden instead, who has some Ohio and Pennsylvania experience. I don't know if any Temple, though. Uh, but, yeah, what do you think of the hire? I, I, I have no opinion yet. Yeah. 
Hey. So we'll see. I, I'm kind of I don't know enough about him. Running back to coach to head coach is a little bit odd that usually mm-hmm. you don't make that jump. But uh, it's his first head coaching job, so he could be great. He, I just don't know that I'm going to predict he'll be great. Yeah. And so some Temple fans on Twitter were trying to debate me because I said that this was a huge rebuild of a job. Like, it's not a big rebuild. You just need a good leader. And I'm like, eh, it's a big rebuild. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, we can agree to disagree because I know you're a Temple fan. I'm not going to convince you. But, like, that roster is incredibly young and keeps having massive transfer issues the past couple of years. Like, it's staying young and, you know, like, it's a lot. And the facilities aren't good and the money's not there. It's a lot at Temple to rebuild. So I don't 100% know that a first-year head coach or first-time head coach, rather, is the perfect idea. I think you maybe want someone who's proven that they can build a winner in mm-hmm. the past and, like, has proven that they can do it over the course of time. Right. But you also needed someone who you probably weren't paying a super high buyout on and you can afford if you're Temple because you just have to pay a buyout on Rod Carey. And it's tough. The, the yeah. money thing makes it tough sometimes. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think we just want to touch on that. And then early signing day came and went. Cincinnati with the top class in the conference, 38th in the country. UCF with the second uh, best class in the conference, 42nd in the country. Uh, then there's a little bit of fall off to Houston, number three, 58th in the country. Those are the schools, even for the Big 12, not super surprising that they're recruiting at the top of the conference. I'm a little surprised Houston isn't a little bit higher than they are nationally, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you go down from there uh, at the bottom, you'll always have Navy because they're at 125th in the country. That's because of who they're recruiting. We've yeah. Been through this, I think a hundred times on this podcast, it's a different pool of players they're recruiting from. You can't, yeah. you can't look at their recruiting rankings. Yeah. Uh, number 10 is Temple 110th in the country. That's, not a good class. No, uh, but that's to be expected after all that stuff. So exactly. Hopefully uh, they bounce back. You know, USF 90th in the country, eighth in the conference, a little misleading because they've got a ton of transfers coming in where they're concerned, but they're building through transfers this year. Right. Few guys, yeah. few guys in the recruiting class, a lot of transfers to fill in the gaps. Uh, you know, other than that, kind of everyone middling to the pack, hard to say like, what the difference between like fourth in the AAC versus seventh in the AAC really is, is you got to recruit guys who fit your system and recruit guys who you think you can develop. Uh, yeah. Anything else for us, Emily? No, I think that's it. All right. I don't have anything else either before my voice completely goes out again. <laughs> right. All right. I think we are going to be taking a break next week as well because it's Christmas and New Year's and we're just going to let it go. And we'll next record after the Cotton Bowl is the plan. Awesome. In the new year. Yeah. New year, new podcasts. Not Sounds really. good. But, yeah. <laughs> new year, new us. We'll see. Exactly. New year, new podcasts is the next time you'll see us. The AAC show. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me and my nonsense on Twitter at Dan underscore Morrison 96. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. All right. And we are off. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.